0: Welcome to Scotland's Coefficient Podcast, the podcast about Scottish football teams in European competition.
1: Welcome to the new season of Scotland's Coefficient Podcast. This is episode six, which is titled In Conversation with Alan Morrison. My name is Gavin, and I run the Scotland's Coefficient Twitter page at Scotland's CoF1, currently with nearly 23,000 followers. This week's episode is a conversation with Alan Morrison. He's probably most well known for running the Celtic by Numbers blog and the Twitter page. He's a Celtic expert and he's regularly on the Huddle Breakdown podcast and has a monthly slot on the A Celtic State of Minds podcast. Alan is very analytical. He goes into real detail on the stats around Celtic and all of their players. He records his own statistics on every Celtic game and has done for nearly a decade. In this podcast, he goes into a good level of detail on Celtic's performances in Europe under Rodgers compared to Postacoglu and his hopes for the rest of this season in Europe and beyond. It's a really interesting listen, and although he's obviously a Celtic fan that focuses on Celtic, I think he's very balanced and so it will hopefully be an enjoyable listen for the non-Celtic fans too. His Twitter bio is in the description for this podcast and he is well worth a follow. I'll be having experts on the podcast from both Aberdeen and Rangers before the end of the group stage, so make sure to keep an eye on the page for them being released. As ever, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave it a five-star review as that helps grow the podcast and reach more listeners. Thanks for listening. Okay Alan, thanks very much for joining us. Um, It's great to have you on the podcast. We're going to try and interview people from all sides of Scottish football, so you're one of the first guests we've had on to discuss their club in detail. So before we get into the questions, Alan, do you want to just Give me and give the listeners a bit of a, a background to yourself,
0: who you are, and what sort of podcasts and writing you're involved in. Yeah, thanks, Gavin, and thanks very much for having me on. Uh, a real pleasure. Yeah, so uh, Alan Morrison um, on social media usually go by the handle uh, Celtic by Numbers, uh, being doing using that for uh, nearly ten years, actually a bit, uh-huh. a bit less than that. Um, so yeah, started off. You know, basically going through Celtic matches from the start of Ronnie Dyla's reign um, and collecting data sort of manually, really, from those games. Uh, and That was on the back of doing something similar for my uh, son's football team. It was a way as the coaching, part of the coaching team to help identify, uh, you know, and provide more information. And I found, I found that the players really loved it. They, son, Monday morning, they couldn't wait to get their st- So it was really quite quite good. But what it it opened my eyes to is the possibility that, you know, I I could do something similar uh, on Celtic Games. And um, so that that, that started Celtic by Numbers, which mainly started as a blog, which is still going. I mean, I don't write as often as I used to, mainly just because of changes to the way people consume their social media. Um, Probably most... Uh the thing that people might have heard of is uh I'm part of a podcast called The Huddle Breakdown. Uh we generally do at least one one podcast a week, which is a, a sort of stats and, and, and performance analysis based uh, uh podcast about Celtic, obviously. Um I also uh so I also appear a monthly slot on a Celtic state of mind on a Friday if you want to catch me there and I'll base turn up on anyone's podcast if they ask me nicely <laughs> so, well uh, yeah, i appreciate yeah. you turning up here today uh, and that, that's a really interesting
1: background story i take it ronnie dyla's team stats were slightly better than your son's football team then
0: well it was close <laughs> 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 they weren't a bad side actually <laughs> yeah but yeah well, I, mean, I suppose, I suppose that, uh, so just just a bit of context on maybe sort of if people were interested really in sort of wider data thing really is that you know question that may may come into your mind and and maybe some of the listeners is because I still collect all the data myself and the question is well why do you do that because you can go on to FopMob now or SofaScore I've got access to StatsBomb because I write for the Celtic Way so there's all these sort of public or commercial data providers now but the problem is is that and and again probably getting a bit technical and data geeky but forgive me it's my thing uh, is (laughs) that you know obviously if each one of those providers actually has a different definition for what an event is so a child the difference between a challenge and a tackle and a duel and an interception just to give you one obvious example all have slightly different interpretations and then obviously those providers are relying on people um, who are in real time almost as the game's going on because it's all about getting data out to market collecting all of this data so long story short is I've done benchmarking exercise Against Scout and against StatsBomb of my own data, and, and and frankly, it's not very accurate. <laughs> so yeah. I tend to, and I also because because really the power of what I do, I think, is being able to compare apples with apples. So if you wanted to say, for example, compare Liam Scales with Virgil Van Dijk, I can do that using the same data set, I same, think, same yeah. definitions, yeah. the same. So, so 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 although it's very manual and it's very time consuming for me. I suppose I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it, but also it's just really to get that consistency of data over, over the years so that, as I say, I can compare apples with apples.
1: Yeah, that, that's really interesting, and it's, I suppose it's like you say, it's good for yourself to be able to compare a historical value for for van Dijk nearly 10 years ago, and you know it's the same measure where the people that are collecting it for all the sites you've mentioned, they will definitely be different people, diff- different definitions. So, yeah, it's really interesting. So, on to Celtic then. So, we'll just start with your opinions on the match during the week. The two I'll draw it at home to Atletico. So, first point on the board for Celtic, which is good, but it wasn't really enough in terms of results. How did you think the match went?
0: Yeah, so listen, I, you know, probably not surprise you to know that I'm, I came at this from a, a sort of coaching and analysis perspective. So, my primary focus is on performance. Um, Now, I know that, you know, managers, jobs and supporters, you know, care about results and and the outcome tends to drive narrative and I get all that, but, you know, I I, I do honestly focus on the performance and although, like you say, Celtic don't have three points on the board, uh, only got one and after after two home games, what I'm heartened by is is the performances in general across the three Champions League games, especially uh, in comparison to last year. I mean, Celtic haven't. Been in the Champions League that often in recent years, which is another story, maybe for another podcast. But um, you know, looking at last year uh, and and the and the and the and the difference between how Celtic were performing in the league versus. Uh, in the Champions League under Ange Postacoglu uh, and then seeing how Brendan Rodgers has has approached the same problem has been fascinating to me Um, and but overall I I, I was you know delighted actually with the performance it's it's frustrating again that the result you know didn't wasn't wasn't as good as it could have been but you know that that was an exceptionally good side that Celtic were playing there I mean you know it's probably I might be overstating it slightly but it it's probably not far off, you know, St. Johnson coming to Celtic Park. It's that kind of disparity in available resources, really. So I think, you know, not only to have played well, but to have really, really... I would say knocked Atletico Madrid off their stride especially in that first half I think we really um, harassed them we really uh, worried them I mean to the extent that you know Simeone made two changes at half time he was clearly I mean I know he always looks angry and frustrated (laughs) but I think he he was genuinely angry and frustrated at the way that things were going you know we forced them to give the ball away in their own defensive third about eight or nine times in that first half um, through you know intelligent pressing I would say which is what I mean by we weren't just relentlessly pressing like we used to under Postacoglu we were pressing when it was appropriate to do so and that's that's the that's the sort of the little subtle changes that we're seeing under Rogers Um, it's not necessarily a completely different approach it's just tweaking things slightly and doing things in a slightly different way but it it can have uh, sort of you know major results really and I think the way that the combination of that first half where uh Rogers used to talk in his first term about resting with the ball. We actually dominated the ball to to, to the extent I think at halftime the possession was something like 58, 42 in Celtic's favor. So we were controlling the ball, not necessarily doing anything with it, but just if you like resting with it and and and, and gaining some kind of foothold in the game. But then once it was appropriate to do so, we were pressing very aggressively and very successfully. And and I think that 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 to me is is when you look at the way Atletico Madrid played, it was very similar. They 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 played they could they were capable of playing at extremely different paces. They were very slow and then suddenly they would just explode into life and the ball would be zip, 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 zip through, and you, and they'd be through. Um and 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 I guess what I'm saying is that there was a maturity to Celtics' performance and a balance to the way that they played. We didn't see last season. And so that those performance aspects I thought were hugely encouraging. And I take your point that people will say on the on the result, but for me, the it was the performance always that is more predictive of future outcomes than, than the result.
1: Yeah, I think that's all very fair points. And it's really interesting what you say in terms of performance over results. So obviously on the the, the Twitter account I run, I follow the fan accounts of all teams and I saw some interesting stuff from some of the, the Rangers analyst side of it. When they were looking for a new manager. So the term they used was they didn't want another result shagger. They wanted someone that looks at performances. And that was the more, the more long term thing. Because as you say, if, if you're only focusing on results, you might get it short term, probably won't. And then where, where are you longer term? So yeah, it, it is about the performances. And I would agree. I think this campaign, the performances have been good. They've been better than last season. And I think. I don't know if this is unfair, but I think because Rangers were so bad in the Champions League last year, I kind of think Ange Postecoglou maybe got away with it as the wrong term, but I don't think Celtic were criticised as much for, for last season. I feel they could have done a lot better in the group that they had. So <coughs> Shakhtar and Leipzig last season, for example, Shakhtar especially, are, are weaker than the team Celtic have performed better against this season, I would say. So yeah, although you're, I, I made the point, but yeah, the The result isn't what Celtic needed in terms of they needed it this season to qualify. But the performances, if Rodgers is going to be here for the next three or four years, it definitely gives something to build on for next season. Um, The other thing I liked, you you mentioned the sort of harassing you did as Atletico in the first half, especially. And they they absolutely were rattled. So Simeone made changes at halftime. They had... I don't know, four or five yellow cards. There there was a point um, where Simeone, as you say, is always raging, always animated, but he was so animated on the touchline. I think um, an athletic old guy had hit his head or something and they wanted to send the medical staff on and he he, he was going ballistic. His his reaction at the end, when he, he barely acknowledged Rodgers, you, you could tell he knew he was in a game and they were delighted to get out with a point, I, I felt. Point is obviously better for them in terms of progression, but... Yeah, I would agree with you. I would say it, it looks like good progress in Europe under Rodgers.
0: Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's it's really the level of, um, as I say, being just being more selective with with with, with Postacoglu. It, it wasn't naive because it was deliberate. He said, he, said he, he truly believed that if he played this way, that he would be successful. And in Scotland, um, it was absolutely the case. I mean, the way that's, that the Postacoglu set up Celtic in football was so overwhelmingly dominant we, 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 he attacked with such pace with so many numbers pouring into the box and um, with such intensity and consistency that um, teams were just overwhelmed and then you had the subs coming on you had five subs coming on uh, to see yeah. the game and, and probably add the score a, li- a little bit as well and, and he almost it was almost as if he'd, he'd he'd found the cheat code for Scottish football <laughs> and uh, you know he, he literally on, on our on our podcast on the Huddle Breakdown every week we almost were like a little bit well we won 4-0 could have been seven what about next yeah. week yeah I think we'll win 4-0 <laughs> it, was, it yeah. was almost like well, what do we what do we talk about because the performance the consistency of the performance was so um, it, it was so remarkable really it was it was remarkably consistent um, We we were generating we talk about um sort of expected goals and expected goals differential as a key metric so the difference between expected goals for and against. And Celtic were consistently between one and a half and two expected goals more better than the opposition. And what that what does that mean in real terms? It, it means that you're creating that many better chances that um you can basically absorb what I call variance. Variance means like a bad refereeing decision, Mm. their goalkeeper has an absolute blinder, etc. It's so overwhelmingly one, one way that you tend to negate those things. Coglu then took that exactly the same template. This is the way he wants his teams to play. And he, he basically, uh, we tried to play that way in Europe, but I'll be honest with you, it didn't scale. And it was obvious it didn't scale from the the first game against uh, Real Madrid, where we actually, I think annoyed them slightly for, best part of an hour <laughs> they yeah. weren't worried I don't think as such but they were certainly a, a little bit uncomfortable but we just simply couldn't you couldn't maintain the pace of play you couldn't maintain um, the intensity of pressing uh, when you've got 70-60 between 60-70% of the ball as Celtic habitually get in Scotland you're you're, you're therefore rarely without the ball so when you do the ball you can press like mad when in Europe it's the other way around mm. and you've only got 40% of the ball You cannot press for 60% of the game. And Celtic tried to do that. And then, you know, that first game at home against Real Madrid, last 20 minutes, they just picked us off. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, and and, and, and then against Leipzig, you're going, essentially, you're going toe-to-toe with a team that wants to play the same way. But unfortunately, they've got younger, fitter, more athletic, stronger players than you have. And so you just get overwhelmed. And those those Leipzig games, and I, I know it was 3-1-2-0, no, but it could have been five six, really. Yeah. Um, so for go forward to this season, what has Rodgers done differently? What he's done is he's again, it's it's little tweaks, but they have made significant differences. He's just, I mean, it sounds obvious, but he's just he's just made the team a little bit more compact. We're actually playing slightly higher, which is incredible because Postacogli was known for playing a high line. Uh, and that's a risk because Celtic don't have quick defenders necessarily. I mean, Carter Vickers is pretty mobile. Johnson's pretty mobile. But on the left side, especially, we struggle. So um, he's actually pushed us a little bit, just a couple of metres even further forward. But what, what the midfield is doing is uh, being a little bit more compact. Everyone's a little bit more joined up, uh, off, especially off the ball. Uh, and and, and a, key, a, a key personnel switch has been Matt O'Reilly. So Matt O'Reilly, last season in Europe, when Celtic didn't have the ball they tended to fall back to a 4-4-2 which is pretty much what they do uh, now but O'Reilly used to join Kyogo as being the front of the press because O'Reilly's an excellent presser of the ball he's, he's he's second only to Maeda in pressing stats so that made sense but, but O'Reilly's also probably the best vendor of all the midfielders that we have so what what what, what Rogers is Said right, we'll we'll push Hitati up because Hitati is probably the worst defender of all the midfield mm. we've got, and we'll drop and, and, and O'Reilly will drop back and support McGregor when he has to, and and that's worked really well because as I say, O'Reilly anticipates well, he gets size fourteen boots in, just nicks the ball from players really effectively, and he just shores up that midfield uh, very effectively. So so you know, and and then the second sort of tweak that Rogers has done is, is just as I say that 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 being a little bit probably a little bit slower a little bit more careful on the ball so we're not always just going forward with a high degree of um uh you know uh, sort of uh, verticality which we tended to do under uh, posta sometimes we're a, bit, a little bit more circumspect um you know for example a good example of that would be the fire nerd game where we managed that game really well for for 45 minutes mm. and really restricted them to long range shots and it was a very away European performance until the kind of roof fell in with penalties and sendings off and all that um, and then the third thing is the pressing is the pressing, uh, pressing decision making so again it's not that Rogers doesn't want his team to press aggressively he does he's just very much more selective about when they do it and they're much more uh, intelligent I would say about the triggers and when the team does press like we saw against Athletic, when they were pinned in their own half they went for it when, when, when you've got coquet with the ball with time in space in the middle of the pitch, it's pointless pressing and you'll get destroyed. So you just kind of sit back in shape at that point, but in a nice sort of mid-block, which is what 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 we're using in Europe. So just these are three little tweaks that Rodgers has done. Uh-huh. They're not revolutionary. They're not massively different to Coglu's line-up, but they're enough to just to make us that much more solid uh, than when we were. But again, is it enough to actually win games at that level? That's That's the conundrum.
1: Yeah, and, and it's very difficult as, like you say, Celtic haven't been in the Champions League that much over the last few years. But when they have, it, it is really difficult to get wins. So those marginal gains you're talking about, the minor tweaks that Rodgers was making, as we mentioned earlier, hopefully can build into the longer term to see to see more results. And there's a, a point you made there that I'm going to pick up on. Posticogly um, last season, remarkably consistent, and on the rare occasion that Celtic weren't winning, or even when they were he'd turn to the bench and he'd bring on five players that would get into the opposition's lineup every week. So you just knew that if Celtic weren't winning, they were going to win because these five players are fresher and better than anything that's already on the pitch. So contrast that with um Wednesday night, Celtic, the players were clearly tiring, in my opinion. They, they had done so well in the first half. They didn't have enough to sustain even beyond the hour mark, I would say. Thiago especially, he was he was tired up front and Rodgers turns to the bench and he brings on James Forrest. So Rory Hamilton on commentary mentioned that Forrest started both of the defeats against Atletico Madrid 12 years ago. So when he is, is what Rodgers has to turn to, essentially, as there's no other strikers he trusts on the bench, that makes me think that well, let's. I'll, I'll put it over to you. Let's discuss the recruitment that Rodgers was given in the summer, because um, in the Champions League, especially, he needs to have something to bring on. How do you how how do you think the bench is at the moment for Celtic, and and does that tie into the recruitment over the summer?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I you know I've been on record many times on on, on our podcast and so forth to say that I thought it was overall disappointing. Um, you know, if you look at last season. Uh, there was probably five players whose primary role throughout the season was coming off the bench and being effective. So you had um, Abada, you had Jackamakis, and then all oh, later in the season, you had uh you had Turnbull, and then um, uh, there's one or another, I think I've forgotten. Well, obviously, you know, Haksabanovic, Jackamakis aren't there anymore. Abada's mm. kind of long-term uh, injury. Turnbull doesn't seem to be in, in the picture that much. So, um, you know, that, 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 that all those players actually wrapped up incredibly uh, powerful stats because they were able to, again, come on to games with 30 minutes to go. You know, 2-0 becomes 4-0. You, know, mm-hmm. you get a goal and a test or what have you. Um, this season, I thought, well, R- Rodgers, I believe, from from what I, I was, was hearing, was, you know, was wanting uh, potentially a, a new goalkeeper to challenge Joe Hart. Uh, definitely uh, an upgrade at left-back. I think the centre back situation we 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 did get the recruitment that that was required, but of course they all got images. Of image, course, so yeah. That <laughs> kind of, kind of, it was just just, just unfortunate. Box to box midfielder, central midfielder, and then um, you know another obviously a, replic- a, 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 a more competition up front for Kyogo. And then, obviously, what, what we didn't realize, what we didn't know was going to happen, was that you know Jota would get sold. Suddenly, you need a new winger, and then Starfelt getting sold as well. So, um, there was a lot of work to do there. But really, the recruitment that was done was more sort of speculative, I would say, rather than um, bringing in the likes of uh, Aaron Moy was the one that I was trying to think of. That was not it. Yeah. There anymore. Aaron Been Moy actually, retired. Aaron Moy. I know, I know he was a quiet kind of character, but his impact on Celtic last season was. Was tremendous. Uh, it really was, and hasn't been replaced. So, so really, what we've got is we're, we've got an aging uh, Joe Hart. We've got a left back who you could argue is responsible for both of the goals the other night. Yeah. is great at the great at SPFL level, but just just doesn't have the physicality and athleticism at Champions League level. We've got an aging Callum McGregor that needs legs beside him, and and he's got O'Reilly, but we we really need a another. We've replaced Jota with Palma, who looks to have promise. Does I don't think he looks the same caliber as Jota was, but you know it's early days on that one. And we don't have any. You know we, we look at the bench and who 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 who's really going to provide the impact that Giacomac has provided in terms of supporting Kyogo, because the way that Kyogo plays, he doesn't touch the ball much, but he's perpetually running around and yeah. for, you know, 60, 70 minutes is probably the most you're going to get, you're going to get out of him. And he's not getting any younger either. He's 28. So none of those problems that I've identified there, I could have told you those problems at the end of uh, May last yeah. year. And and very few of them have been addressed. And I, d- I don't understand why that is the case because the, clearly there's money as we've seen with the annual report and accounts that came out last week there's clearly money available you know Rogers as the new manager has come in so I don't know why uh, that that hasn't happened in terms of the caliber so is listen it's still early days on some of the players that brought been brought in I think the the feeling is that Ordenholm is a, is a really talented young player uh, I think Bernardo came on it's really the first the first major contribution he's he's made in a Celtic shirt, and he was I thought he was he well, done well yeah. If I tell you that he if I tell you that, if I tell you that he put in more pressures than Maeda. Um, he didn't oh, did he? A lot on the ball. He must he have been he must right have been fairly ball. moving then if he did more than Maeda. His, his performance off the ball was absolutely tremendous, uh, Bernardo. So, you know, he again, he may be one that does boss. And Palma, as I say, has shown shown flashes. So, and we haven't really seen Tilio at all yet. So, there's a few that you think, well, they might, they might, but it's all mights. And I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, if you're going to compete, if you, if you, you know, put it this way, you know, who the the, the two best players on the pitch on Wednesday night were coquet and Griezmann. And you know, Koke's 31, Griezmann's 32. And you're asking twenty-two-year-old Matt O'Reilly and twenty-one-year-old Bernardo to have the same impact as those yeah. hugely experienced um World Cup, you know, winning major tournaments, caps coming out of their ears, major trophies, major clubs, all that. You know, you're asking young players to really go toe-to-toe with that. And I'm not saying we should be buying, trying to buy that caliber of player. I'm just saying, you know, there needs to be there needs to be a more nuanced Transfer strategy. I'm I'm all in. I'm all in on the projects and on the scouring you know obscure markets for un- undervalued talent. I'm all all in for that. But at the same time, you do need a backbone of players of the quality of Carter, Vickers, of Jota, of McGregor, Keogh. You need a spine there and you know, around the squad to to then fit in those. Uh, more project type players, if you like, and I, and I think we, we I think we failed at the latter in terms of strengthening the team, and, it's, and especially as, as I say, I, I think not getting a, a a competition for Joe Hart I think was unforgivable. I don't understand yeah. why that didn't happen, and I think the, and I think you know neglecting the left back slot as well. I, I don't, yeah. But having said that, I think somebody on Twitter, I'm trying to be balanced here. Somebody on Twitter said, look, here there was only about three or four left backs in, in the world that moved during the summer window for 2.5 million or more is oh, so wow. you're you're looking at quite a small a small market potentially for good good left backs that, that may want to come to celtic which is another you know yeah. come to scotland more more pertinently yeah. so so listen i i try to be balanced about it but it's frustrating i think it's only because what's needed in the first team and what's needed to be more competitive at champions league level has been blindingly obvious for more than more than a season, actually. Postecoglou's system was so coherent and everybody's jobs were so well defined that you could actually absorb the fact that Starfelt had these moments. You could absorb Taylor's lack of athleticism. You could absorb uh, Hatati giving the ball away every five minutes. You could absorb all those things into a very very strong system. Um, but, you know, that's because that's how you know it was. You do it this way, you do it this way, and you only do it this way. Um, and that worked in Scotland to, to a ridiculous degree. But, you know, Rogers is trying to create a more nuanced um, system with more decisions made by the players in terms of where do I need to be? Where do I need to go? And therefore you do need better players really to to, to, to really make that work. And, and, as, and, and as I say, I think I think I think he was failed a little bit by the club in in the summer, if I'm honest.
1: Yeah, and I think from what I've read online, the majority of Celtic fans would agree that the board did fail him in the summer, and it's it's a weird one because first time around, the rumor was Rodgers left because he, he felt he wasn't getting back. So the famous one with John McGinn, Celtic wouldn't pay the the few million required to get him, so he went down south. It makes you think, what did the board say to him to get him back? Because forty managers or something got sacked in the English Premier League last year so Rodgers would have got another job in England had he waited it out so the the pull of coming back to celtic i get that if he's a celtic fan that's a big thing he's got uh, bridges to rebuild with the fans so i can see from that aspect but surely the board must have had to have said look, we're in a better financial position. We're in the Champions League more regularly. You will get back more than you did last time. And although they did spend 15 million, that is a drop in the ocean to, to what they need to compete in Europe. And like you said, the signings that they've targeted, none of them, maybe Palma aside, are going to go into that team and start every week. So I wonder, is Rogers feeling let down by the board, would you say? And do you think... They'll dip into the market in January, or do you think it'll be save it till the summer
0: and and try and really go for it then? Yeah, I mean it's tricky in January. I, I, what I will say is that the the the, the aspects of Celtic's um, football operations that frustrated Rodgers the first time round have largely been addressed. Um, so you know, he, he when when, Celt- when Rodgers was here first time, they, they didn't have a serious uh, performance and data analysis. The sports science, there the, the was issues at Linux Town that the facilities weren't weren't uh, up to the standard that he he wanted. They didn't have the um, sort of network of of, um, of of scouts and so forth. So there was a lot, and, and, you know, a lot of it, <laughs> a lot of it with Peter Law and his preferred agents, frankly. So mm-hmm. the, the, a lot of those frustrations are, are now are now not not the case. I think, in fact, I believe one of the reasons that Rogers came back was because he saw that all the things that he was asking for um when he was here first had largely been addressed so 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 i think we're at a position now where the structure's there their organizational blueprint is 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 there the capabilities are largely there in terms of you know the facilities at linux town have been upgraded the um performance analysis things like software etc so i think all the building blocks are in place but then it comes down to and this is my just my opinion but this is then it comes down to: Do you have the right people, the right the right talent to actually make this work? And and and, and you know, the head of recruitment is currently Mark Lowell. Well, Mark Lowell isn't a, a scout, and he isn't a, a, a football recruiter. He's if you actually his job in the City Group, he, he was a manager. He was a like an administrator. You know, a very senior one. Mm. He was a, he was a senior manager who he did things like. Um, organized schedules for the various City Group football clubs, and he, he, he was a great. His, his skill set was mainly about connecting people and, and networking and, and so forth. But he, he was generally an administrator. He wasn't. He wasn't a, a football scout. He wasn't a talent spotter. So I do worry that we're in there in a position where we've got all the capability, we've got the operational blueprint, but we, do we have the talent in the building? Because Rogers isn't. Rogers isn't a manager that's going to go out. Like I mean, Postacogli worked with his his kind of mentor and super agent uh, Frank Tromboli. and a lot of the players that were brought in were either people that, that um, you know, uh, Angie knew from from the markets he was familiar with, or you know, Tromboli is a head of a, one of the biggest agencies in world football, and so the you know he, he, using his network to get to get some of the and then you know uh, Angie's sort of Citigroup connection as well, so you know it's it is all about getting the right talent. Uh, in there, Rogers. Rogers isn't a manager that's going to go out and do and spend hours looking at why scout scouting players. He's a he's a coach. He's he's a, an elite coach. He will work with the players he's given. He will obviously ha- say what his requirements are, mm. and he will have ultimate yes or no: should we sign this player? But he's not going to get involved in the day to day. You mm. know monitoring of of, of of short lists and, and decisions on actual you know oh yeah let's add this player to the list etc you need to have the right talent in the building to do that so that Rogers has got a high quality list to choose from when he decides to sort of press the button on, on signing a player so you know the finances are there the capabilities are there the software is there the sports science and equipment is all there do we have the talent to support Rogers is, is a question in my mind at this time. So I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's as black and white as saying, oh, the board haven't, haven't supported Rogers. I think it's more mm. a can Celtic work effectively now that they've moved forward in terms of their own kind of operational maturity.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, it is hard to do any business in January. So I suppose we're unlikely to get real telling answers on that until next summer. So... Just, um, we'll just sort of wrap it up there. Just going to get your opinion or your hopes for the rest of the campaign for Celtic. So obviously it looks like progression is pretty much out the window. They're going to have to win in either Madrid or Rome, which is going to be a, a very, very tough ask. So as you alluded to earlier, is it just you want to see progression of performances over last year's away performances and then build into next year's campaign?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It has to be that because there's just too many variables when you're playing this quality of opposition. You can play brilliantly, uh, you know, a way to find it. We weren't brilliant, but we were we were solid and we were controlling the, the match uh, to a good degree. And then, you know, that penalty incident happens, or Joe, you know, the free Joe cake, Hart doesn't yeah. get a free a free kick. That he should, should, these things happen in Europe, and 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 if you make a mistake, you tend to get, virtually always get punished. So you can play very well and easily lose the game. So it has to be about the performance, um, you know when you get a night like wednesday against madrid where i think the let's call it the luck because football's a, a largely a game of luck believe it or not um it kind of evened itself out over the i think over the 90 minutes i mean their their penalty was a little bit um a little bit fortunate and especially the way that uh, you know the ball rebounded to griezmann etc but on the other hand you know we we uh, you know the, the the two the two marginal offsides went in our favor the virtual goal that was that was disallowed um, by a fraction, and then the second Celtic goal and Maida was played on side by, by by you know a sort of bum cheek essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it these, these literal fractions, and it was the same fractions that both went against us against Lazio that meant we lost that game. Um, and those that that's, that is that that level. That's what. And how do you how do you legislate for that? You can't legislate for that. So it has to be about performance. I think you know thinking about a sunny. A sunny sort of, uh, you know, sunny day kind of um, outcome. The best I can think of, because Lazio aren't a good side, really. This this championship Mm -hmm. level, they're not a good Mm -hmm. side, and and that really was a missed opportunity, not beating them at Celtic Park. Can we go there and win again? I don't think, as I say, don't think they're a great side, so that it's possible that Celtic could go to Rome and win. I'm discounting going to Madrid. We're not going to get anything there. But they're just too good a team. Um, And then it really, if we can, if we can get. Uh, a win in, in Rome and then a point at home to Feyenoord, which I don't, if at that, that stage, hopefully they've already qualified. Hopefully they beat Lazio. There's no way that Madrid won't beat Lazio. So I, I'm looking at a scenario where Lazio could lose all their three games. We beat them, get a point against Feyenoord and, and sneak into third spot. That's the sunniest I can think of. Yeah. That's a lot of Lots is- there, but um, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's fair. Obviously, they, they won in Rome in the fairly recent history and at Champions- Lazio aren't going to go far in this tournament. You're right, they're not a, a great Champions League team, so it's not impossible. But yeah, I would agree with you. It is mainly going to be down to that game in Rome. Go for it and see what happens. So... Yeah, I think that's about all the questions I had, Alan. So once again, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. You mentioned a few of your own podcasts and blogs and stuff that, that you do. Is the best way to find that through the Celtic by Numbers Twitter account?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Huddle Breakdown on Twitter and Celtic by Numbers on Twitter, and you'll you'll get most of my kind of ramblings and, and oddities on on there.
1: Perfect. Thanks very much. I'll I'll drop the link for that in the the post for the podcast when I put it out. So, yeah, thanks very much, Alan. That was fascinating. Really interesting. Thanks very much, Kevin. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to Scotland's Coefficient Podcast. The podcast about Scotland's football teams in European competition. Join us next time for more detailed analysis and all things Scotland's coefficients.